morning. Good morning. Welcome. It is uh, hey, Matt. I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback in the headphones. Uh, good morning. It's 9:08. WTIC News Talk 1080. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Celebrating the birthday of the civil rights activist and leader. We had a beautiful time in church yesterday. We had a, showed a really, really good video about uh, really the mission, the vision of Dr. King. And, you know, I, I, I say this every year in church. I said that people get distracted by the fact that he was, you know, obviously a, a, a critical figure in the civil rights movement. He was an activist. He was an organizer. But, but before any of those things, uh, he was a pastor. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a Christian. He was a pastor at a Baptist church. And a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of what, what was, was birthed in, in the movement, the civil rights movement, came out of that, that experience of being a follower of Christ. So, uh, yeah, it was a good, it was a good, and a good church day on top of it, it was just, just a good day. Um, let's see, well, how many of you have off today? Raise your hand. You have off today? No, how many of you, yeah, way more people working. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of like one of those, like, President's Day deal, right, where the banks are closed and the post offices are closed and, you know, the government offices are closed. Everybody else, everybody else is working. <laughs> you know, everybody else has got something going on. But still, it's still a good day to uh, <clears throat> pause and and reflect. Um, you know, things things are... I think ever improving, always needing to improve. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think we've met, certainly from Dr. King's perspective, I don't think we've met all the ideals that he he strove for, spoke about, dreamed about, but I, I, think, um, I think improvement has been made, certainly. I'm going to start a, a little bit of a new feature today because I'm, I'm so uh, shocked at people's lack of history and, and knowledge of history. Got a, got a Christmas present, uh, no, a birthday present, birthday present for uh, a, a volume of, of kind of historical events. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that right after we have our 9-11 prayer. Just a, a few things, a few things of, of, of historic significance um, that happened on this day and I don't want to get too Bob Steele on you, but <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm shocked at how little people have knowledge of history. It just, um, it's fascinating to me. And so, you know, and some of these, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a history professor, so some of these things would be, would be new to me too as well. But a lot of the things I, when I read them, I go, yeah, I, I kind of, I didn't know what happened this day, but I knew it was at this time period, you know, what happened. So we'll do that. And, uh, Right now it's 9-11, so let's take a moment and um, gather our thoughts together, shall we? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you for another glorious day of life, another day to enjoy your creation, another day to enjoy uh, all of the blessings that you've given us, and uh, certainly mercy and forgiveness is, is top on that list, but we thank you for family and friends and relationships that we have, and Thank you for um, the ability of, of good health to get up this morning, get about the things we need to do and want to do. We appreciate that. We um, thank you, God, for uh, the ability to earn income and, and take care of folks and take care of ourselves. We're, we're grateful for that. 
all that you blessed us with, our kids, our pets. I mean, just so many wonderful things you've given to us, good houses to live in, homes to homes to live in, cars to drive, clothes to wear, food to eat. Thank you for all of the provision that you provide for us. And we do thank you for uh, Dr. Martin Luther King on this day. We thank you for the the groundbreaking uh, work that he did in, in moving forward the civil rights movement, moving forward things like justice and equality and opportunity. And <clears throat> we're grateful for his life and um, grateful that we take time to celebrate today. We thank you, Lord, for all of the men and women who serve so uh, selflessly and tirelessly. We'd say, first of all, first responders, of course, Law enforcement, we pray your protection over them. Firefighters as well, EMT operators. Veterans that have served, thank you so much for their service. Folks that are currently enrolled and serving in the armed forces around the world, thank you for them and for their families. And uh, we thank you. Thank you. We still live in a, a nation that's free, country that's free. We can get on the air. We can talk about things. And um, we do sue without fear of, of prosecution or persecution, at least for now. So thank you. Give us a good day today. Thank you for, thank for TIC, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this day, this day, January 16th, uh, what? <laughs> January 16th. The, uh, amen. Amen, uh, Gene, Lynn, and Jax. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over something. So, uh, you know, back before the... Iran was a complete theocracy where the mullahs and the ayatollahs, you know, were running the country. There was a, a semi, somewhat democratic governor government, and it was led by by Shah. And uh, and there was great unrest, and Ayatollah Khomeini was coming into power, leader of the Islamic Revolution, and so the Shah of Iran fled uh, Iran on this date. Uh, the 16th, back in 17, uh, 1979. Also on this date, 1991, the Persian Gulf War began as we pushed to uh, extricate, uh, force the withdrawal of Iraq out of Kuwait. Um, let's see. 1942. Now, most of us, I mean, some of you were around 1942, but there was a, a famous actress, Carol Lombard, was killed in a plane crash. <clears throat> and um, I guess she was uh, uh, kind of a, a comedian. I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember seeing. A lot of movies. I remember. 1990 Soviets. The Soviet Union sent troops into Azerbaijan, and uh, they were having uh, fighting with Armenians, and it was uh, trying to to quell that fighting. Um, let's see. 1997, Bill Cosby's son was murdered in California. 1945, Adolf Hitler descends into the bunker, remaining there for 105 days until his alleged suicide. So these are these are just some of the things that happened this date many years ago. Amen, uh, Chris. Amen, Shelby. Thank you. 860-522-9842. We're going to have... Uh, Steve Buccian at 9.35 talk about some, some military things happening. And, and Iran will be one of them, by the way. Still a thorn in our side. Still a problem. What I mean, what have you been following all this, the, this document thing with Biden? I mean, 
a couple of things I, I, I really do believe. I believe this is all set up. <clears throat> hey, Bruce out in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, amen, Bruce. This is, I think, the, the Democrats' way to off Biden. Um, just just how it's happening. It's it just, it, you know, oh, this is a, uh, we, we went, the, 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 the inspection is complete. The search is complete. Oh, wait, no, there's five more. There's six more. Um, oh, wait, you know, it's not just the, the Biden Center. It's also the House. It's somewhere else in an office. Oh, and there's, there, there's a box next to the Corvette. And oh, by the way, Hunter Biden lived there. There's just too much stuff. It's fast and furious. It's coming out so quickly. And th- this from PJ Media. Uh, the White House had a very bad week. In fact, it was so bad they've been struggling to keep up with the ongoing classified document scandal. Um, one Democrat strategist, want, strategist wants um, the White House spokesperson to not even talk about it. Assign a, uh, assign a totally different spokesperson to just handle document questions because they, the, the, the White House can't get their message out. Now, you know, you have to say... And, and again, I'm I'm so skeptic. I'm so skeptical of what happens. the The mainstream media is actually pressing in on this. White House correspondents actually, other than Fox people, actually asking hard, difficult questions. It's like, wow, that's uh, that's pretty amazing, right? Or is it just all part of the setup? I don't know. White House said months ago they 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 knew the documents existed. Why didn't they tell us before the midterm election? That's a good question. Should be asked. Um, but this it, it's it's getting it's starting to it's starting to get ahead of steam. And and what do you do about this? What do you do about and and these cases are so dramatically different. What cases? The Joe Biden document story, and the former President Trump document story. Because here's the deal. Presidents can declassify anything at will. It's very possible, we don't know yet, hasn't been proven, would go to the Supreme Court. It's very possible by, by virtue of the fact that documents were removed during the Trump presidency that they and, and placed somewhere else that he he himself could have declassified those documents. So when you, you, when you break into Mar-a-Lago with a SWAT team and you take these documents and say, oh, we found classified documents. No, you didn't because they were already declassified. You found pieces of paper. You found documents, no question about it. But the difference here is the documents in question happened during the Obama administration when Joe was VP. Vice presidents do not have the ability to declassify documents. And oddly enough, these uh, were already out there. This is in the news. Iran, Ukraine, China, all the places that Hunter was dipping his toe in the, in the waters, the business waters. So this is, this is turning into a bad situation for the president. Now, a couple of things are true also you need to understand. Number one, um, you can't charge a sitting president with a crime. You just can't do it. It's 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 you can't. I think it's a constitutional uh, boundary. So uh, even if this was illegal, number one, you really can't charge him with a crime. Number two, this isn't really even if true. It's not really like there's not a, a a law code. You know, you're breaking the law because you have classified documents in your possession. 
it's really more like rules with the National Archives and the Presidential Document Act. So there's a lot of things that 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 put this um, put this in kind of no man's land. But what is absolutely true is it puts Merrick Garland in a bad place because if if you're in charge of the Department of Justice and you start a a raid on a former president's private residence, that you don't have a similar response to the current president who was vice president at the time, it looks a little, it's a little specious, you know, in in my mind, in my mind, I don't know about you. 860-522-9842, love to hear from you today. Love to talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. A great article here, it says uh, PJ Media says, um, uh, Matt Margolis says, it still looks like Biden is being sabotaged. These are his own people. And what were they doing? They're talking about the fact that the, 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 the Department of Justice saying the people, his lawyers, are not, are not uh, do not have security to look at classified documents. Why did they let them keep searching? If they'd already found classified documents and they're not, they don't have the clearance to see classified documents, why were they allowed to keep searching? Isn't that odd? Isn't that strange? I, I think it is, but you know, we'll see. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Let's go to the first call of the day. Brought to you by Eagle Rivet, the roofing partner you can trust. And we're going to go to uh, Manchester and Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, and God bless you. Listen, the church is failing the community terribly in the area of race relations. You mentioned very clearly a few minutes ago, this was a minister. He did so much good work. He could have been the 13th apostle. Now, try to find any of his legacies. Can you find nonviolence? Can you find redemption? Can you find atonement? Can you find judging us by the character, not by the color of our skin? This whole leftist, postmodernistic approach is separating people. There's no God in it. And we need to mourn the loss of Martin Luther King because there's nothing of his legacy. You know, we built a 30-foot statue in, in Washington, and we don't pay attention to anything he said. You do, know, do you not think, Matt, I'm just, I'm just curious, do you not think relations between white and black is better now than it was in the 60s? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that's why when you, when, when you talked about the, the uh, Ku Klux Klan and Sterling, that's well, not I, that a wasn't me. That was that was Matt on the on the yes, last show. But the show. thing I, is, I, that shows the progress because it may have been in twenty towns in the sixties. No, what what you do if you study this is up to about nineteen eighty, race was real legally, socially everywhere. But from nineteen eighty on to today, there's been tremendous progress. But the fact is, how are we going to get the genie back in the bottle? Because everything that's happening now is separatist. Black people for black people, brown people for brown people, yeah. gay people for gay people. God talked about the universality of man. 
you're not different from me. You may be distinct, but you're not different. Right. And the color of your skin doesn't make you different. It makes you distinct. But the politicians have now cohorted us. Everybody is a herd. And you need to think like the herd. It's taking individuality away. And and Jesus says, you're responsible for yourself. Well, you know, when you the, said the devil, earlier, Matt, when you said the church is failing, yeah, um, because I, I would I would say that's that's a broad brush statement because not all churches are failing. Well, let me ask you this: Can you show me where any church has said what's going on in 2023 is wrong? It is anti-Christian. Yeah, our church. I said it yesterday. Oh, well, I said it yesterday. I said it yesterday to to two services that were very diverse. There was white, there was Latino, there was black, there was Asian. Um, I said it yesterday and said it very clearly, and and people people agree. And what did you say? I I told them that what was happening right now was wrong. I I talked about what's happening in schools. I talk about the the political culture. What's happening right now? The division that's taking place right now. All those things we talked about yesterday. Well, then. I got number one. God bless you. Number two. But I'm not alone. Are, other other pastors are doing that. Other no, churches are saying the same I can't, thing. I can't find them. I, I'm Catholic, okay. And uh, when I listen to the Catholic sermons, you know, we get praise of Martin Luther King and all this stuff, but nobody's saying we are our brothers. We're yeah, not. But, well, you know, maybe you just need to look over the fence a little bit, and because okay. I, I know other churches that are talking similarly to how we're talking and, and, and we're addressing under, these issues. Where we're at, understand, Obama didn't mention God in his Thanksgiving speech. Really? Biden yeah. mentioned God in his Christmas speech. Yeah, there is God is being de- decomposed. Oh, for 70 years, Matt. For, since they took yeah. her out of school, there's been an attack on God. That's okay. because And I, and I, think, that, I think that church has got to be, they, we need to become Martin Luther King's voice. Because the political voice out there is, it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think mean, you're 100% I, right. And, 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 and again, I, I don't know about any other church. I can only talk about what's happened in our church. But we talk well, about I, these I, themes regularly. And, uh, that. And, and, and I, I agree, will, I agree with what you're saying. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to uh, time for one more call, Matt. Okay. So let's go to Springfield, home of the Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> hey, Steve. How you doing? Uh, hello. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. Loud and clear. Okay. Yeah. For the longest time, though. Springfield Hall of Fame was buried in Springfield. They finally put it on a highway where people could find it. Oh, um, it was outside but, but, but anyway, the um, location? That's cool. I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, yeah. You used to have to go through like 20 traffic lights to get there. Most of the people, a lot of people in Springfield didn't even know where it was. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Oh, yeah, it was, it was awful. But, but anyway, I want to talk about this Hunter Biden thing because there's a lot of things that are coalescing that might be really interesting. First okay. of all, you've got Hunter's business dealings. Mm-hmm. And some of his dealings with China. Okay, now if he had access to a house for classified documents, what if he was peddling classified information to the Chinese? Mm-hmm. This is a huge can of worms. I yes. mean, with Hillary Clinton, um, she had a computer um, and she had classified documents on her computer. But this may be an actual case of information peddling with classified documents to a 
to a, a, a dangerous country. I, I couldn't agree more, particularly where we know Hunter, or at least the reports are Hunter was living at the same house where the, the first batch or the second batch were found. Right, the and, and the, the, thing, the thing with Hillary Clinton and, and, Joe, and Joe Biden, um, I mean, it's one thing for the president to have access, unlimited access to classified documents, but if I'm not mistaken, a vice president and a secretary of state still has to check in and return the documents when they're done with them. They're, they're not just supposed to have unilateral possession of classified documents. That in itself, I think, is a crime. Well, and, and, and actually, I heard the same thing about even the president. There's a, there's a procedure to check in and, and monitor classified documents when they're out. and have to Right, but I, I, think the pres- I think the president has more latitude than, like, let's say, a he vice does. president or a secretary of state. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I Ma- think matter of fact, i got to reread this. This thing is like an onion. Well, it's unpeeling it right before us. Well, well, the thing is, I think um, I got to reread the book Hoax because it goes into great detail with, with the actual crimes that Hillary committed. First of all, she says she had no knowledge of the computer setup. She had to have a whole IT team come into her secretary of state office and set that up. Well, we would never imagine Hillary Clinton would lie about something, right? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, of course not. That would never happen. She's the smartest woman on the room, except when she's being uh, interrogated. Except when somebody else is in the room next to her. Hey, Steve, I got to let you go for the break. Thank you so much for your call. All right, uh, let's see. We're going to take a break. Good news. We'll come back. Steve Bucci, Heritage Foundation, talking a little about what's happening militarily. And, and we're going to bring up a, a story that happened last week about Iran. Interesting, interesting. We'll be right back. Stay with us. WTIC News Talk 1080. This is the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, welcome back. It is uh, 9.39. You know, there's always something going on somewhere in the world. You know the old expression, you know, it's happy hour. It's, it's happy hour somewhere. Well, there's always tension somewhere. There's always military concern somewhere. And um, there's two, two spots that I'm very concerned about right now. One is Taiwan. And um, there's an article that recently published a couple days ago. That I guess it's an I guess the exercise I don't know if it's like computerized. I'm gonna we're gonna talk to somebody who can explain this. Steve Bucci's with the Heritage Foundation. Steve had, had a long military career, 30 years, most of that time in special forces. He worked at the Pentagon, West Point graduate, War, War College graduate, and uh, and, he, and he's always gracious to spend time with us on on Mondays. And so we want to welcome Steve Bucci back to the program. Steve, welcome. Hi, Pastor. It's good to be back on the show. Thank you for taking time. I appreciate it. There's an article out about a war game that was played, uh, and I guess it's some kind of uh, simulation. I, I, I'm just looking for some clarity here. And it's, it's what, what would happen if China invades Taiwan and, and we had a military response? And, 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 and in the article it says that um, it, it – it, we, we could handle it, but it would be costly. And they're talking about the number. They say we could lose as many as two aircraft carriers. We could lose 10,000 troops. Um, there, there's a number of things that we would, we would have to sacrifice to, to keep China at bay regarding Taiwan. How do they, how do they estimate that, Steve? And is, there, is it a computer simulation? How do they, when they say they're doing a war game, what does that mean? 
Uh, well, it's it, yeah, computers are involved, but there's people playing both sides. There's, you know, one side are our guys, or they'll be the actual leaders who might be commanding the forces that would be deployed in that region. And then on the other side, they put together what we call a red team uh, that is made up of some of our best people who have additional knowledge and and uh, sort of wisdom into how whatever the uh, adversary in the particular war game, how they would do it. So we don't just like fight Americans against Americans using all American stuff. We uh, set it up so that uh, the other side in this case would have the Chinese government's capabilities uh, there are people who are aware of their doctrine and the normal way we believe they will fight. Uh, and they're, they have parameters that they have to, to play by. So you can't, you know, suddenly call in American style airstrikes. You have to do it the way the Chinese would do it. Right. And, uh, then they, they feed their moves into the computers, uh, both their plans and then what they would do in actual execution over time. Uh, and the computers figure out the damage that would be done. So it's not just a subjective view of, of another human. Uh, the computers are sort of the, the referees, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and they evaluate the moves of each side and see what would have been done to the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, these things tend to be at the, the extreme end. Uh, you know, usually the, the casualties that you'll take are probably higher than they might be in real life because humans tend to at, you know, at, at crucial moments, humans tend to husband other humans more than a machine would. Right. Um, right. So it, there's some variance there, but it's a pretty accurate uh, view of what might happen. Uh, but it's generally a worst case scenario. Well, you know, and it's very biblical to do that because the Bible in two cases talks about, Jesus talked about, you know, don't don't go building a tower unless you know what the cost is first. You go to build something, you can't finish it, people laugh at you. Also, don't go to war. Don't go to war without, you know, assessing your adversary to see whether or not you can win. And so this uh, this article talks about the fact that there was 24 iterations or 24 versions of, of what this conflict might look like. But but they said no matter what, it it would be costly. Uh, hundreds of aircraft could be lost, as many as two aircraft carriers, two destroyers, and 10,000 or tens of thousands of casualties, more than we sustained in 20 years of of war with Iraq and Afghanistan. And it could all happen in about three weeks, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. If if we fight with China, it's not a counterinsurgency. You know, it's not chasing terrorists around the the mountains or around the desert, it, it would be a full up near peer competitor, high intensity conflict. Mm-hmm. The last time we did anything like that was world war two, you know, maybe, you know, the Korean war a little bit, but that was pretty well confined, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, uh, numbers and intensity. If we are fighting the Chinese around Taiwan, Remember, they not only have their naval forces that can be involved, but they're close enough that all of their their aircraft that launch from any of the bases around their coastline, uh, a lot of their rockets and, and missile capabilities, 
can be fired from the land. So they have the home court advantage, if you will, mm. uh, whereas we have to move everything we fight with into the region. Mm-hmm. So uh, it gives them a considerable advantage uh, in that you're not just fighting the Chinese Navy, you're fighting the Chinese Navy, the Chinese Air Force, and the Chinese Army, at least as far as their their rocket and artillery capabilities are involved. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, the, the interview that I saw and listened to was, uh, I think, a retired general. And I forget his name, but they said the concern is that, that China's getting a little bit more emboldened to send uh, send ships in that area, to send uh, aircraft over what would be considered Taiwan airspace. It's happening more frequently. It's happening in larger numbers. And he said that he believes the Chinese think they have about a two-year window, that if they're going to do this and be successful, they need to do it in the next two years. Um, and I guess while Biden's still president or while whoever's still president. Um, I mean, at, at what point, what's the signal? Or is there, I mean, would, would Putin, you could tell, well, we're, he's amassing a lot of troops on the border with Ukraine. It looks like something might happen there. Would it be that t- same kind of a signal, do you suppose? Or would it be like, because Taiwan is so close to China, it would be like an immediate airstrike or missile strike. How, how do you think what? that might play out? Uh, it'd probably be a combination. Remember, they want to take Taiwan. They don't just want to destroy it. Right. Uh, you know, they consider Taiwan a piece of China, yes. so they want to capture it, which will involve an amphibious assault from China across the Straits of Taiwan into or onto the island. So when you start to push that kind of capability together, much like, you know, you think about the Allies, uh, putting together the, the force in England to to do the D-Day Normandy invasion. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has a big signature. Uh, so as that happens, you know, we're going to see that. You know, they, they have some amphibious troops there all the time, but not enough to take the island. Uh, so they would have to build up that force, build up those amphibious capabilities in that part of their coastline, we would see that our our intel capabilities are better than what the Nazis had, you know, looking at at uh, George Patton's army full of blow up tanks. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we can tell the difference now. Right. Uh, so w- we would see that build up. They would also have to move a lot of those ground based forces I mentioned earlier closer to the coastline to make as many of them. Uh, you know, effective in this fight as possible, uh, and their their naval forces, who are you know predominantly in in the South China Sea, right. you know, the the ones that are floating in other places in the world would probably start heading home to be involved in the fight. So yeah, we would see some signature of of force consolidation in that area that would give us a tip that hey, this is getting you know, more and more dangerous, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, you know, the, the tendency when you see that is, oh, well, you know, much like we did with Putin. Well, he's just blustering. He's really not going to do anything. Uh, I think after the invasion of Ukraine, hopefully we'd be a little more sanguine about that and say, well, yeah, you know, we don't think he's going to do anything, but we're going to start moving forces in that direction just in case. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you don't know, you know, Biden is is kind of squishy on China. You know, he's got so many deals with China. He really 
seems to think he's got their, his finger on their pulse, which I think is delusional. Yes. Uh, and, and he might hesitate. He might blink, as they say, uh, and not move the forces. And if that happens, then China could move and, and be done with it before we get sufficient forces to really affect the outcome. That would be a really, really bad result of all this. Well, one of the things I'm concerned about, we're talking with Steve Bucci from the Heritage Foundation. I was under the impression, and wrongly so, that there was a treaty in place with the United States and Taiwan. There was, years ago, there was the Sino-American Mutual Defense Treaty, but apparently that was that was discontinued under Jimmy Carter. And so there's there's nothing like, uh, you know, NATO or... Or, or something like that that re- requires us to to defend Taiwan. Certainly, our our economic reasons would be, in, you know, that we'd want to defend them. But is there a is there a possibility that because Biden is so soft in China, probably for in some ways beholden to China, is is it possible that we might just stand down and not respond at all? Uh, there is always that possibility. Sadly, uh, you know, Biden could stand down from, you know, we had the treaty relationship before. Now we have it based on verbal uh, affirmation. Uh, I, I hope not. Uh, Biden's own party uh, has always been pretty solid on defending Taiwan. You know, you remember Nancy Pelosi's visit uh, of late and that sort of thing. Uh, and I hope that they would stand behind it. That would be the right thing to do, in my opinion, not just from a moral standpoint, but from a, a U.S. interest standpoint. Uh, allowing China to take Taiwan back would be a disaster. It would be worse than letting Russia have Ukraine because, you know, Russia does have other ambitions. If it could take Ukraine, it'll start looking at other countries. But China is just waiting for the signal that we consider them too big an opponent to stand up to, and they will start throwing their weight around like crazy, not just in the region, but in other parts of the world as well. And uh, it would be disastrous. Is it a possibility? Yes. Is it a big possibility? Boy, I sure hope not. Yeah. Well, I mean, in other parts of the world, we, we have, you know, we have forces stations, certainly in, in Korea. And um, apparently we have very few people in Taiwan. I mean, you know, like hundreds, not thousands. And yeah, it, you know, I mean, the we, military we, personnel. No, we, we do not have. I mean, we've got folks there that that do the security assistance deals, you know, that, you know, transfer arms. That, that It's an office that is associated yeah. with our, yeah. our embassy there. Uh, we also have, you know, periodic advisors and, and visits going on. We do not have, you know, like military formations of troops there that would, you know, be inside of sandbags defending the beaches in Taiwan. Right. We don't have anything like that on the island. Uh, we do have ships that occasionally visit there. Uh, we do have aircraft that occasionally visit there. But, no, uh, you know, it's not like the the uh division that we have in in north or in south korea there's nothing like that and and i'm assuming because taiwan's only i don't know 90 100 miles off the shore of china china would consider if if we did place you know 5000 troops in taiwan china would consider that a provocation of sorts 
Oh, absolutely. They they would would probably invoke what you know we did when the Russians tried to put missiles in Cuba, uh, wow. and and would say, "Oh, look, you guys, you wouldn't let the Russians do this because it's too close to your borders." We agree with you. This is the same deal. We're not going to let you put combat troops there in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So to be honest with you, if we got involved in this sort of thing, once shooting started, it would occur almost entirely from our our seaborne platforms, from our ships. Uh, You know, I mean, eventually we might move troops onto the island, but it would probably, at that point, provocation wouldn't be an issue. It'd be because we were fighting. Um, But the, uh, this is going to be, heavily on our Navy, heavily on the Marine Corps that are in, you know, at sea mm-hmm. and, uh, and then our really long range air force capabilities. Uh, and then we'd probably look to maybe move forces from Korea. But, you know, if you're fighting China, you really don't want to take troops out of South Korea to go help Taiwan because then that leaves South Korea at risk. Right. Uh, right. And uh, so th- it, it's a tough list. That would not be a fight that we would like to get into because, no. frankly, it's at best a fair fight. And <laughs> and we hate fair fights. We, like uh, <laughs> we always want, you know, a, a big advantage. Yeah. Anybody does. Uh, and, and the problem is China has everything there. We right. only have a certain percentage of our case, our forces there. So it makes it a very difficult situation. Well, even if we wanted to count on on, on assets in, in the Philippines, I mean, the Philippines is still a thousand miles away. China's a yeah. hundred miles away from Taiwan, Philippines. You know, so we just don't have the, we don't have the, you know, the, the troops, the equipment, the, you know, the resource. So it's, all right, let me just quickly, we've got to wrap this up, but I just want to touch on this because this was another concerning story I saw last week. Uh, the, the the Admiral, I didn't even know Iran had a Navy, but I guess they know Iran has a Navy. And they were saying that they were going to send later this year, they plan on sending uh, Iranian military vessels to the Panama Canal. And it says that we've always wanted to have a military presence in Latin America, so it's not surprising at all that we would announce our moves to Panama. This is from Rear Admiral Sharam Irani, the commander of Iran's Navy. How, how problematic would it be to have Iranian warships near the Panama Canal? Uh, it, it would be problematic because the Iranians have shown over and over again that, uh, you know, to be cute, they, they don't play well with others. Uh, you know, they they operate on their own rules. They think, you know, they can do whatever they darn well please. And it's it's dangerous. They they are are not uh, their their calculus is different than everybody else's. Right. I'm not saying they're crazy, right, but it's right. a different kind yeah, of, right. of decision-making process uh, that is not akin to anyone else out there in, in the international community. And they're willing to, to, you know, I mean, they tried to overthrow to the Saudi Arabians. They tried to kill American ambassadors. They've yeah. tried to kill Saudi ambassadors in America. You know, they, they're, they're brutal. They they're do brutal. wacky stuff. Unconventional, and, uh, to, to say the sure. Uh, Steve, I'm sorry, we're, we are out of time. I just appreciate you so much because there are these things happening all the time, all over the planet, 
and and we need to we need and we do we're, we need to stay vigilant and 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 be prepared to respond however we're going to respond so steve thank you so much and um have a great week we'll talk to you next week all right sounds good pastor have a great week god bless thank you sir thank you sir steve bucci heritage foundation all right take a break uh we've got um commercial news we'll come back with open phone lines 860-522-9842 give us a call